Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode number 52 of the Audible Farm Podcast, and this episode's brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa, and you can find it at www.couchtowncoffee.com or on Facebook. Uh, their name is Couchtown Coffee, so you can find it there. Uh, on their website, they have an Our Coffee section, and on the Our Coffee section, you can find what coffees they have available. And not only that, but you can also find out how to order it right there, and they'll ship it right to your house, uh, fresh roasted. Uh, it's It's my favorite coffee. It's the only coffee I drink now. It's easily the best coffee i've had um by recent memory uh hands down so go to www.couchtowncoffee.com check out what they have uh available for you in the our coffee section and uh if you use the code word for this week uh you can save yourself 20 percent, and that will be good from let's see here that would be the 12th all the way through i guess it'd be wouldn't be the 19th it would be the 18th so it's the 12th through the 18th uh, the, the code will be good, and this week's code that will save you 20% is Black Sheep. Black Sheep. Um, and why is the code word Black Sheep? Because uh, that is one of... Th- that's on the t-shirt for a female wrestler that I'm interviewing this week, and this one's this one's going to be a great one. I'm super happy to have Sierra Avery sit down with me. This is the first time I've attempted to interview somebody who's a pro wrestler and, and just a pro wrestler, and I'm not saying just a pro wrestler, but I usually do musicians. I, I interviewed Kyle Hammer, if you guys remember. He was one of the uh, original podcast episodes that I had done, and he... Uh, was a musician and a pro wrestler so we had a little bit of common ground there but I've been to a lot of wrestling shows I've seen a lot of wrestling Uh, I'm talking professional wrestling like if you guys aren't uh, privy to this and you're kind of tuning in and you know like oh this is a music-based podcast but this one's gonna be about pro wrestling so I'm talking like Hulk Hogan stuff you know Um, John Cena you know you can't see me all that good all that good jazz you know those are the things that everybody knows um, Stone Cold Steve Austin drinking the bears and you know all that all that stuff. So that's what I'm talking about this week, except on an independent level, just like uh, music is. Because uh, if you guys don't know, there's a lot of professional wrestling uh, companies out there, and I have frequented many of them many a time. And from the get go, Sierra Avery was one of the f- uh, first people I noticed uh, uh, around the shows. Like you, you would kind of see the people that would be at most of the shows. Uh, putting in the work to kind of help publicize these people, kind of like I'm doing this podcast for music, but there would be people that would be uh, either taking pictures, reporting online. I did a little bit of like Twitter reporting online for a while for professional wrestling and, and just doing all knickknacky stuff to kind of help raise the overall awareness of what was going on. And Sierra was one of the people that was taking pictures at ringside for a long time for uh, not just IPW, but 3XW. Those are two companies that are in Iowa, and those were two companies that I frequented the most easily. Uh, they're both very good companies I'd highly recommend. If you want to check out a pro wrestling company, um, maybe check one of those two out if you're in the Iowa area. They're they're both really good. But this, uh, this is me and Sierra Avery sitting down talking... Um, she went from being a photographer to training to be a pro wrestler to becoming a pro wrestler to winning a woman's title um, all in the amount of time that I've known her. And that's uh, less than a six year time span. So it's pretty crazy to see that uh, she can do that. And it's it's awesome because it's I get to see these people um, change before my eyes and, and, and the, 
the people who were once onlookers uh, are now the performers out there uh, winning titles and and kicking ass. And uh, this one's a fun one. It's a female professional wrestler. Her name is Sierra Avery, and I've I've been waiting to do this one for a while, and we've we've been dancing around with schedule issues, but we finally got it done because. Uh, you know, I'm a busy person and she's a busy person with uh, traveling and stuff. So uh, let's get into this episode. There's some really fun stuff in here. I, I kind of fanboy out a little bit getting to talk to a wrestler for once. So it's kind of fun. Uh, check it out. Episode number 52 with Sierra Avery. It's the Audible Farm Podcast. With your host, Peter Stockdale. All right, so uh, today I'm sitting down with Sierra Avery, who is a professional wrestler. Uh, we're actually recording outside right now, so if it's a little breezy, that's what you hear. Um, don't adjust your sets or whatever. I'll try and mix it out if I need to. But anyways, I'm sitting down with Sierra Avery, uh, pro wrestler S. What, do, what would be the female pro wrestler? Just call you a pro wrestler? I'd say it's a gender neutral term. There you go. Pro wrestler. It's 2019. i got to watch myself. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, I had first... Uh, Actually, I don't want to say like run into you or whatever, but like I had seen you at ringside taking pictures at wrestling shows first, uh, IPW shows or it was primarily IPW shows. It, there was 3X too. 3X as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and, and that's how I like had first discovered you. And then I was I was lucky enough that you had like, hey, I'm going to be wrestling at this show. Come see me. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I, I like barely knew you were Record training. scratch. Yeah. Like I barely knew you were <laughs> training. It was one of those kind of crazy things where it was like oh shit, this is happening, you mm-hmm. know? So, uh, like, what kind of got you into pro wrestling in the first place? Because, like, you've had a journey that went from, um, like I said, taking pictures at ringside to, to training and now just kicking ass, like, all fair season long this summer. So, <laughs> so like, what got you started? Like, where did it all begin? So, I can actually pinpoint the exact date where my love for wrestling began. It was August 3rd, 2007. Okay, okay. Um, I was a teenager, and I was dating as much as you can date a guy when you're, like, 15. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Dating a guy who was super into pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. So one night, it was a Friday night. um, SmackDown was still on Friday nights back then. Okay. So turned on the TV, started watching it just to see see what it was about. Fell in love with it immediately. Yeah. So throughout high school, I was a fan. Kind of dropped off towards the end of high school. Um, And then back when I got into college, I got back into it. Mm -hmm. So in college, I was a photojournalism major. Oh, yeah. Yep. So I decided we had a final assignment where we could choose any topic. So I decided, hey, I know that there's some local wrestling around. I've never been to a show, but I'm going to see what I can cover with them. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I reached out to Todd Countryman, um, one of the owners of 3XW in Des Moines. And he was cool with it. Um, And I set up a an interview with him and the champion at the time, who was Ryan Slade. Oh, cool. Yep. Um, so I kind of did what we're doing right now, just sat down with a mic oh, at nice. a random place um, and just started recording. That's awesome. So, yeah, that's what I got into it initially with. Um, and I obviously went to the shows and mm-hmm. shot ringside because it was like a multimedia type thing. Yep. Um, like photo slideshow with recording in the background. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. So that's what got me in the door with uh, 
local indie wrestling. That's pretty sweet. So yeah, after that, I did another assignment with that, um, with Midnight Guthrie, actually. I <laughs> managed to leverage my <laughs> my school assignments into covering local wrestling. That's awesome, though. So I did a little video piece with him, which he still has up on his YouTube, so I'm pretty proud of that. That's awesome, yeah. And, like, um, both of those guys are awesome. Yes. Like, uh, Midnight's such a character. Yeah, uh, he was, like, the first... I guess friend I made within wrestling. First person I started writing up to shows with. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to like uh, say too much about like because Midnight does not always like currently as as far as I know it does not play a very fan favorite character. No, but, Captain Midnight's kind of an a hole. Yeah, Captain Midnight, uh, not necessarily the nicest guy. Um, I hear he's a good Christian boy now though. <laughs> but but Midnight Guthrie in general, a uh, very good person. Yes. Uh, if I don't like I said, I don't want to pull the curtain up too much, but very knowledgeable about yes. oh, God. wrestling within the Midwest. Oh God, yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Um, that's cool. You got like two really cool people under your belt, like fresh off the bat. Yeah, right, in the I, Des Moines area. I really lucked out. So, I mean, and it was through Cody that I ended up, um, or that's his shoot name. Oh, Whoops. pulling back the curtain. Oh, geez. Oh, boy. So midnight. Midnight. Yeah. Let's, let's forget that little faux pas there. Yep. Uh, he introduced me to Troy Peterson, who is the owner of Impact Pro Wrestling. Yeah. And I was invited to come shoot shows ringside up in Algona with them. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just transitioned from doing 3XW to IPW. And so I did that shooting ringside for uh, about, I want to say maybe a year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I actually got the opportunity to shoot ringside for Metro Pro back when they were oh, around. Oh, yeah, dude, Metro Pro. And, like, that's one of the things was, like, you at these shows, like, coming up at the time you did was, like, the time that I was pretty much going to, like, I was at every 3X show. Mm -hmm. I was at every IPW show. I'd be at, like, every other Metro Pro show. You could, like, find me at, like, Magnum Pro sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would just go to, like, everything. Steel Domain, because it was just... Wrestling at that time was insanely good. It was. And to go down to Metro Pro, which... um, Oh, gosh, who uh, is it? Uh, Brian Gao? Is that sound? What's who runs the sh- who ran the show down there? I don't remember. I can't oh, recall. It. It's I'm, been it's been a while because I'm out of the loop now. But oh, I am, but that was like yeah, TV I'm, quality. Amazing. It wrestling. was. It was. No, they it was insane. had it, it was syndicated. Down yeah. There. And you used to be able to go watch them on YouTube. And mm-hmm. that's how I would keep up with what was going on there was to watch the YouTube channel because their YouTube right. channel was bomb. It was. Yeah. But you went down there and took pictures. Yep. That's pretty sweet. I only got to do that once, but it was a fantastic experience. Uh-huh. Um, only time I've had to sign a waiver about, hey, you don't hold us liable if you get harmed oh, physically yeah. by yeah. our wrestlers. So that was, and I, when I was shooting ringside, there were a couple close calls where, yep. you know, they're jumping out of the ring and I happened to be right there. Yep. So I learned very quickly to uh, maintain awareness around the ring. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you kind of figure out, um, I mean, just generally based on, like, an angle of where you're taking the picture, like, something, I don't know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but something might happen, like, straight at my face here. So I'm going to stand off to the side a little bit, like... Yep. And you can see it now with Chris Manning. He's the main photographer around the Midwest now, yep. which does great work, um, far better than I ever that, was, so... That's, like, photos by Manning on Facebook. Yeah, photos yeah. by Manning that's is some his wrestling stellar stuff. stuff. Yes, he yeah. is very good at what he does. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so back to my story, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I did that for about a year and a half and ended up getting a little burnt out because mm-hmm. I'd been doing photography photography all through college and now I was shooting ringside mm-hmm. and there's only so many times you can shoot the same moves over and over. I, yeah, I could totally see that. 
So I was just getting burnt out on that, having to go through all the photos. This makes me sound horrible, but it was No, I can totally understand. Like it, it was just the same thing over and over. And I loved going to shows and I loved being involved. But you were involved to a point like here's the deal. Like I totally understand where you're coming from in the sense that like you're working. You don't get to sit down and enjoy this show. You have to right. you have to take 200 pictures of a five minute match and then siphon through them when, exactly. no, when nobody's watching and you get zero glory just to find the one shot that you mm-hmm. can edit a tiny bit to be like, check out this awesome shot I got from this match. Yeah. Or you take literally 700 pictures during a show and then you go back and you see maybe five of them are usable. Yeah. I mean, cause you have to take them on the fly. You can't just be like, take a picture and then sit there and like, you don't have the benefit of people in the crowd where it's just like, I'm going to take a picture and put it on Twitter. Cause that's what I used to do every now and then. Mm-hmm. And I just snap one. It's like, mine doesn't have to be amazing. Cause I don't claim to be a photographer, but at the same rate, I, I can take like 12 different shots and kind of not pay attention. Cause it's not my job to take all these pictures. I, I get what you're saying. It's, it's less enjoyable when you're there for work. Right. And that's one of the things, I mean, this is a weird thing for me, but like I used to spend a lot of time tweeting about pro wrestling and I found that the less I tweeted about it, the more I enjoyed what I was there to do because it felt like less of a job to actually, like an obligation to go there and do this thing, mm-hmm. you know? But, uh, so like, how did you transition from the photographer at shows? Cause like, cause like I said, I used to see you at, at the vault in Algona all the time. Yep. Did you ever go to the old vault that was like kind of on highway 169? No, that closed before I came around. All right. Yeah. So you were on the one on, on state state street which would be like their their main street even though it's technically not main street in algona but Mm -hmm. yeah that was man i went to so many shows there (laughs) uh summertime no air conditioning just like a bazillion degrees like uh the matinee shows and stuff i liked going there for the simple fact that you could go there and enjoy watching somebody progressively get better at wrestling Mm -hmm. and they would have somebody um whether it be like uh, Ugly was usually the guy that was there when I was there, and he would be like the one of the main trainers, kind of helping people along. Yep, and he, he was the one who ended up training me. Oh, cool, cool. So, so we could get to that later, though. Yeah, definitely. But it was nice to see like Ugly come out, and he's like, I'm going to wrestle this guy that's green, make him look good on a matinee show when there's only like seven people in the audience, and they're having a great match, and you can watch these people get better and better and better, and then all of a sudden they're on like a Saturday night show in Des Moines, and you're like, holy cow, this person, like I saw him like years ago, and mm-hmm. was just like when they were first starting, it's like watching somebody grow, you know? Right. You know, so, so where did you end up training then? So I ended up training with Impact Pro Wrestling, um, what made me decide to make the switch because when I initially started shooting ringside I'm like oh this is awesome but I'm never gonna train I don't want to get hurt yeah blah 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 I probably wouldn't be great at this anyway mm-hmm. um what got me to switch was during the 2015 hall of fame show in Waterloo I was approached about eh, maybe a little before midnight uh by Troy and Beth Phoenix had been one of the inductees that year mm-hmm and so he approaches me and he's like, hey, Beth needs a ride back to the Des Moines airport, seven o'clock tomorrow morning. Can you do it? Mm-hmm. I'm like, can I? Hell yeah, yeah. I can do it. Yeah, it's no Beth kidding. Phoenix. No shit. Um, so by the way, she's like the sweetest person. She was so nice. She bought me breakfast. That's awesome. And, and I was like, I tried to get the cheapest thing. She's like, oh, you're a cheap date. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want you to spend money on me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel bad. Um like this is enough payment getting to ride with you yeah exactly um but yeah so she's super awesome um let's also give a shout out to troy for being awesome and giving he gives a lot of opportunities like that like troy used to randomly shoot me text messages and be like hey i didn't tell anyone but hacksaw's in des moines today if you want to like come hang out it was just like what like so i get to like (laughs) like okay on a random occasion get to go hang (laughs) out with hacksaw jim duggan because troy was hanging out with him and i just you know you just show up and say hi and it's just like what's up dude like because you know 
people and that's the other thing is like how many famous people i met in the wrestling scene that are mm-hmm. exactly like you said about beth phoenix a lot of them like i would say like 95 percent of the people i meet maybe even more are like super genuinely really nice people right you know and i don't know if that comes from the territory of like um being a performer and you rely on your fans to make your paycheck and you just like genuinely are thankful for all these people or if it's like a lot of the people I saw I would say were past their like TV prime days Mm -hmm. and they were just like thankful to have people that were just like dude it's so cool that you came out and saw me you know and spent a ticket I don't know what it is but it's they're so nice like going to those hall of fame shows Mm -hmm. and everything oh yeah I've got a great story from this year I'll have to tell later all right um anyway so yeah I was talking with Beth on the way back and she asked me how old I was. I told her, you know, I've just graduated college and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, when I was your age, I had just graduated too and had just moved to Louisville to start training with OVW. OVW. So it was something about her telling me that, that, you know, she started training at the age that I was at that point. Yep. It's like, maybe so, I could do this. Yeah, it's not too late. Yeah. So the next month I approached Troy and Trav and TS aggressor mm-hmm. and was like, Hey, I might be interested in training. Mm-hmm. Like, can we work something out? And they were thrilled. Cause at that time they only had two female wrestlers. Yeah. Miss Frankie J and Keandra. Yep. And of course those two were thrilled. Cause it's like, finally we have somebody else we can wrestle. Yeah, Cause I mean, I remember seeing those two wrestle like almost once a month on every show. Right. And they'd and have to find a new way to make everything they were doing fresh. Yeah. And it's like, they were great. It's just wrestling the same person over and over. You can only do it so many times exactly. before you know, it's back to what you'd already done. Yeah. And then your only other option is to like bring an out of region wrestler. And, right. And Which even at that time, there still weren't a lot of female wrestlers. Not a lot. Cause that was, I remember my first day of training was, oh, what was that? Like August 22nd or something. And that same night there was a NXT takeover that had a fantastic women's match. And I think that's really the point at which women's wrestling had started picking up. Yeah. So, like, I got in right at the very beginning of that, pretty much. Yeah. I, so, that like, watching that that same night, I was like, damn, I made a good choice. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is, like, about that time frame is, like you said, uh, wrestling uh, for women on WWF or E or whatever was always, and I'm not trying to be, like, a chauvinistic pig, but it was always, mm-hmm. like, super attractive, uh, well-endowed women that were kind of just pulling each other's hair for, right. for a belt. But, like, it at some point in, like, 2015 or so, like, this Japanese strong style that some women over there had blended with, like, whatever kind of goes on in, like, Britain where they have a lot more, like, arm holds and, like, mm-hmm. crazy stuff. And they would mix these two things together and you'd get these suplexes and, like, crazy submission moves and, like, stuff that looked like a lot of the matches were, as far as wrestling goes, more entertaining than some of the guys' matches. Yeah, and I remember, you know, back when I was watching in high school, it's women's match, oh, I guess this is going to be a bathroom break for me. Yeah. Kind of thing. And then, you know, starting 2013, 2014, you had Paige coming up, you had AJ on the main roster. Yep. Who, you know, they were actually working hard to make women's wrestling a legitimate show. Yeah. And so, yeah, and then once I started, that's right around the time where it started taking off in NXT and kind of spread out through the rest of the independent scene. Yeah, it was like Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, et cetera. But it was like they were on the NXT roster at that time, just just tearing it up. Yeah. You know, like how many times do you see like women do like submission moves or like dive over the top rope or do backflips and stuff and mm-hmm. or like crazy counters that it's like I'd... I, a, don't bend like that, and B, wouldn't want to, you know? <laughs> right. Like, it's just pretty wild to see that kind of stuff. And it's kind of cool that, like, right when you decided you were going to train, that this is what was becoming popular 
um, maybe not become it was becoming the gold standard. You know, right. like it's what people wanted to a- achieve. Yeah, it's like holy shit, women can wrestle. Exactly. You know, they're they're at least as athletic as the guys in a lot of senses. Mm-hmm. It was it was just kind of wild because it was almost like watching cruiserweights but like heavyweights like mixed together somewhere it was it was you know because they could jump around and do a lot crazier stuff than they let on and a lot of that comes down to like uh you get like these flashes of women that would do that on tv like lita was mm-hmm. really good at like oh she'd do backflips and all sorts of other stuff like that or and like her and trish stratus had some pretty good matches considering the time frame of what was going right. on you know it was like oh these women are actually having kind of good wrestling matches, you know, so it gave people something to strive for. And I feel like that's what kind of just builds on each other. But it's like still wild that like the coming of age and you were like, holy cow, I can kind of do this. It kind of feels like all the pieces kind of fell together in your mind to make this be something you wanted. Right. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I remember my first match. It was actually a mixed tag in front of about uh, 20 people at most out in North Platte, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still... Not sure how we got that booking. It was the middle of April, so it wasn't a fair show or anything. Yep. But yeah, made the six-hour drive out there with a carload of guys. I had my first match. And it was funny because the entire time, I'm like, oh, shit, oh, shit. I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> um, I was super nervous. Yep. And then as soon as I walked out, it's like a switch just flipped. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I was meant to do this. Yeah. This is, Yep. I can do this. Yeah, you're in like wrestler mode now and you're just like, holy cow, this isn't something that's impossible because I'm like, I'm here and I'm doing it right now. Right. You know, I I liken a lot of that to playing guitar because I still get, I tell people on the podcast, I still get nervous going out and playing guitar sometimes depending on the situation I'm in. Mm-hmm. But once you get started, it's just kind of like, I'm here and I'm doing this. It's not like something I can't do and it's just business as usual or whatever. But I recall like my first show I I went to and it was like, I'm playing at the Fremont with Three Finger Betty. It's like the first show I've had since I was like, you know, like 18 years old. And I'm like super nervous. I'm playing a whole stack of songs I've never played before in front of anybody. It's like, like you said, there's like 20 people there and I'm just like sweating bullets. It's like, you know, first off, everyone's going to be super glad you came to play anyways. And like, I I find out a lot more often than not, nobody wants to go out there and just be like, this sucked. Like, you know, nobody wants to shit all over people uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes down to like their abilities to do anything. So like, even if you're like, want to go out and try something, I always just like, you got to do it the first time once somewhere, you know, and it's always going to only get better, Mm -hmm. you know, because like my first podcast wasn't a bad one, but it's like the levels are all kind of messed up. And like, I didn't know what to talk about with somebody or how to like word it to make it entertaining for anybody else. And it's not like I'm brilliant at it now i'm no you know like joe rogan or anything but (laughs) but yeah like your first match is in north platte instead of like being in iowa and this was an ipw show it was that's crazy like troy's also been pretty good at like booking shows not just in like one single location though right yeah we have a lot going on in nebraska now over the summer oh cool um but yeah that was i think one of the first ones at least one of the first ones when i'd come around yep so that was that was interesting that's crazy. Uh, so who was in your first match? Who did you wrestle with and against? Or Oh, who was it? It was Miss Frankie J was the other female opponent. It was me and Tony Sly versus her and I want to say Ray Fearing. That could be. I'm pretty sure that was what that match was. Dude, and I'll have to say this, though, for, like, Ray Furing, I've started watching him at, like, matinee shows and vault shows in Algona when he was, like, first starting out, and then I took, like, two or three years off, and then it was the show that I went to go see your first show I ever saw you wrestle was in Des Moines, mm-hmm. and I was at that show, and I saw uh, Ray Furing just 
wrecking people. And yeah. I was like, dude, this guy got so good compared yeah. to like when I saw him years ago. And he's like, and it's just one of those deals where it's like, yeah, this guy's no longer a beginner. He belongs in the ring with just whoever, you know, whoever they put him with, they, they can make each other look good. It can, it'll be entertaining. I guarantee it. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Um, his new, his what he's transitioned into being the death dealer now, that's a super cool, oh, cool. persona that he's got going on. Because I remember he used to do a, a character where he was like really attractive. Yeah. You know, and he would just be like, you know, I'm super attractive regardless of whether or not you thought he was. And it would, he would just kind of throw it in your face and it was kind of funny. And he also had like the greatest entrance music ever in Pony by Genuine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So your first show, like, how did you progress from there? Like, what kind of shows did you start doing? Like, how fast did you start picking up shows after that? Was it like a once a month in Algonia start wrestling? Or were at this point in time, like, where is IPW yeah. at? Um, I think the first Algona show, so that first show I was ever on was in April. My first Algona show was end of May. Um, I did a couple of the fair shows uh, down in Winterset. Um, that was a learning experience. I could definitely sense my greenness there. But yeah. It was still good. Um, yeah, because like the fair crowd, I would assume would be different than your yeah. average crowd. Because like the fair crowd could just be random schmoes that have never seen wrestling, right. just showing up with no knowledge of literally anything that's going on. Mm -hmm. So, gosh, that'd be something. I guess I never really thought too much about that until you just said it. Like, uh, you go to a wrestling show, and people are that only <laughs> people that go to a wrestling show that's only a wrestling show are going there to see the wrestling show. But if you like. You might just be like, I watched Hulk Hogan in the 80s, and then right. like, you bring all your kids to a wrestling show at a fair. Yeah, or it's like, I've seen a movie with The Rock in it. Yeah, exactly. I want to <laughs> see what this is all about. So, like, I don't want to just, like, divert too much here. So, you, like, kind of jumped in pretty quick going to fair shows, and you said that's where you kind of realized you were green. Yeah. Okay, let's compare, like, fair shows then to fair shows recently, because this summer you've been pretty busy with fair shows. Yeah, I did. Oh, how many shows was it over the course of two weeks? Um... I did six matches over the course of a single weekend. Um, no, jeez. Yeah, that was that was interesting. Yeah, but... it was a lot of fun though. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, I did like maybe between eight and nine matches over the course of two weeks. Oh wow! So gosh, that's and there crazy. were others who were far busier than me because I couldn't make all of the shows. Uh -huh. I have bills to pay and a job to work at. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, you got to do the double duty though too if you're wrestling on the indie scene. Yeah, it's like the indie scene anywhere else. You know, indie music scene, indie comedy scene. It really doesn't mm -hmm. matter what kind of uh, indie scene you're on. You got to do the double duty. Yeah, and that's the other thing that's crazy is you guys travel so much as wrestlers and you're no foreigner to that because i mean right. you, you would travel just to take pictures in the, in the first place so like i'm sure by the time it's like hey you want to drive to this show you're just like yeah sure i don't care yeah you know? but i mean i'm no stranger to the traveling either but let's let me ask you this then so you've wrestled a lot for ipw mm -hmm. i've got i got so many questions i want to ask That's so you wrestled good. a lot for ipw <laughs> like what other companies have you wrestled for other than ipw um i've wrestled for 3xw i think twice cool two or three times um Wrestled for Magnum a couple times. Dude, cool. Um, those were great shows. Dude, those companies are awesome, too. Like, like, I love going to their shows. The first Magnum show was, uh, I think it was a Cinco de Mayo show, and it was outside. There was, like, hundreds of people. Dude. They're all drunk. It was great. That would have been so fun. Yeah. And it was, like, a 21-plus show, so that makes it even, even more fun. Even better, yeah. Yeah. The second one was in, um, like, one of the largest gay clubs in the United States in Omaha. Oh, that's awesome, yeah, too. Yeah, that was, like, a fantastic... It's all good. All right, so uh, this happened on one other podcast, and if you want to ridicule me in the comments for it, go ahead. But I, uh, I, the recording stopped. I hit start. I messed it all up, and it didn't record anything. So 
we're going to backtrack and try and get as much as we can of what we just talked about because we just missed like 10 or 15 minutes of <laughs> amazingly good conversation and it's like the worst thing that happens and it's happened twice now in a podcast but let's let's go for it so we're talking omaha you were uh you were wrestling for magnum at a gay bar um yes. like a club type t- place right yeah okay so uh we we're we we're kind of gone into this conversation talking about how you got to wrestle twice for him and the one was at an outdoor show at a Cinco de Mayo and it was like outside of your element a little bit and then your next show you got to wrestle for him was inside of a club which is also another one that was kind of outside your element. Right. I don't think I'd really wrestled in those type of environments previous to that so it was really cool to yeah. see that. Um, but yeah, I mean the Cinco de Mayo you have hundreds of people outside. It's 21 plus so everybody's drunk. Um, yeah. Everybody gets really into it when they're drunk. So Yeah, it's definitely a different environment at a 21 up show because mm-hmm. it kind of gives the wrestlers or the performers or whatever you want to call them like a little bit of leeway to not have to worry about offending a kid because believe it or not like pro wrestling is still like a very kid friendly thing. Right. You know? And most promotions want to keep that family friendly yeah. element to it. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, that was different and cool and all that great stuff. And yeah, the gay bar one, um, might have mentioned this, one of the largest gay bars in the United States. Um, yeah. Just huge facility. It was great. Like, we had, like, actual proper dressing rooms. Oh, so that yeah. was Because, you know, they have drag shows and whatnot. Uh-huh. Um, so they've got to dress somewhere. Yeah. So it was actually, because I've been at shows where the locker room is literally a, like, 10 by 10 closet. Mm-hmm. And you have to fit, you know, like 15 people in there. Yeah. And yep. it's not fun. Um, we actually oh, had that happen this year. Um, it was on your home turf. Yeah. I'm not going mean, to lie. Dude, that, I mean, that happens at certain places. And it's unfortunate that it does. Like, I've been to shows where the somebody, like, it's, and I don't want to, like, call out anything. But, like, I've been to a fair show once where the wrestlers, their changing room was just a tent. And it's just yep. like, and it's like, I mean, that happens. It works. It's okay. But it's like, how are you going to just stick these people in a tent like a cattle? You know, like. Well, I remember at one in Nebraska. It was like two years ago now. Um, great shows. We did a two day thing. Uh huh. And so we started getting dressed in this like old schoolhouse on the fairgrounds. Yep. And so it's all good. We're all you know just hanging out, waiting for our matches. And then this lady comes in, and. She gets mad that we're in there because I guess she was supposed to be giving tours of the place. Oh man! And, and we didn't know that. Like so the fair, we were just stuck in there. <laughs> um, so we had to pack up our stuff and just go behind the building. Oh yeah. So yeah. suddenly the outdoors was our locker room. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, and that happens. That's cra- kind of crazy though. You gotta like just make do with what you have right. and and do the best with what you got. It's unfortunate. Like uh, that's probably the worst part about not always knowing where you're gonna wrestle and like having a promotion that kind of goes town to town on occasions where it's like it's kind of a crapshoot. You know? They yeah. Might- it's like sometimes you get the good rooms to get dressed in. Um, sometimes you get like I've had locker rooms that were literally the kitchen of a bfw hall or hey, you, know. you know like the backstage area of some theater okay yeah I mean, like <laughs> so it really depends on where you're at yeah but yeah it's you make the best of it so we were talking fair shows and uh one of the things that unfortunately when i f- my f- i forgot to hit record that's exactly what happened i'm fairly certain are so we sure it's recording it's now. recording now i okay. guarantee it so we're talking <laughs> like going fair show to fair show and uh earlier in the podcast we had touched on how you had done fair shows previously and this year you've done a whole handful of pr- fair shows uh how many have you done this year i think we i think we might have touched on this but yeah so i did let's see there was the one and then there was 
six different matches. I'm going by matches. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so six different matches on one entire weekend. Oh, and then there was like two or three more the next week. So over the course of two weeks, I think I had like nine matches maybe that's crazy how do you wrestle six matches in a weekend like how does that end up happening were you like were they so, at six different shows or no it was so it was down in winterset um we did shows at one three and five o'clock okay so it was like kind of mini like matinee type things yep. so you had three matches per show okay. and then like an hour between them mm-hmm. um so yeah i would wrestle two shows each day oh that's crazy yeah that's oof. i mean that's that's pretty wild. I bet that would take a toll on you, it, you uh, it did. compared to what you're used to, you know? Yeah, I, even, was, I was pretty sore the week following. Yeah, because even if you wrestle like just as hard as you would normally wrestle and you're used to it, um, I don't know how used to it you could get getting <laughs> thrown around, but like uh, even if you're used to it, that's like now you do it six times as much as you normally would, and that's definitely right. going to take an impact for yeah, sure. Yeah, from going like one, two times a month to, hey, you're going to wrestle the equivalent <laughs> of like three months in a single weekend. In a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> With like maybe less than 24 hours between each thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it probably gets you a lot of like hyper exposure to being able to see what like a fan base would take in as far as going to a show right because we were talking going to fair shows you might end up with like a a dad that takes his whole entire family or whatever and he's like i watched hulk hogan wrestle in the 80s and now i'm taking my whole family who doesn't even hasn't even seen wrestling to go see a wrestling show like completely dry right like or you know i was a fan of stone cold back in the day or i've seen the rock in a movie or two yeah yeah yeah. so we're talking like uh this like i don't even know if i want to call it like ring psychology but or like whatever it is like the way that uh, a performer has the ability like a pro wrestler to like make the crowd not like them like so like it's if you're going out there and you don't like the crowd how do you make the crowd understand that you don't like them you know like so one of my favorite things to do and there's always a lot of kids at fair shows so one of my favorite things that i like to do that establishes immediately hey i'm an asshole and i don't like you okay and you need to boo me okay because you don't like me yeah the, the heel yeah the heel so what i'll do is like i'll pick a kid out near like the entrance and hold my hand out like, hey, you want a high five? Whatever. This is what I do. And yep. then as soon as they go for it, like, Meep. hold the hand up and be like, don't touch me. <laughs> oh, that's the best because everyone's instantly like, hey, don't pick on that kid. Yeah, like, it's like, hey, that's one of our own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude, that's that's legit, though, because you, you get instant heat from this kid who thinks he's going to high five this chick coming out like, oh, this is a good person here. And then they just like completely whiff and like, oh. Yeah. And then it establishes for the next person coming out, because it's usually heels come out first. Yep. Um, the next person, you know, they're actually going to interact with the crowd, and the crowd's going to like them. Yep. So it kind of sets that up. That totally makes sense. You know, heel first to have to set up like, hey, like, don't send out blindly whether or not you should cheer for this person or not. Cause, right. Because you could end up like, I mean, that's okay. Here's a weird thing about like the ring psychology and all that other stuff. Like, uh, if you do like what they call baby face, which is like a, a fan favorite versus another baby face, which is a fan favorite, and you dryly go into that, it's kind of weird because if you don't know who either one of these people are, it's like everybody's cheering for both of these dudes. Who am I supposed to cheer for? Right. Or if you end up with one of those like road warrior esque crowds where it's like the people like the dude who's like spitting on the people in the crowd or something. And they're yeah. like, why are you cheering for this dude? It's like, oh, cause we're all bikers and we don't give a shit. You know, this guy's <laughs> cool. You know, like if you run into one of those situations where it's like, who do I cheer for? If everybody's cheering for this bad guy and this good guy, who's the real, who's actually the good guy, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of crazy. I never thought too much about like sending the heel out first to really just establish like, dude, I don't like you and you guys are not to like me. Like, don't even cheer for me. You know, stick your nose up, whatever you got to do. Just be like, I am not going to hear it. So it's kind of crazy to think that like, you could, 
I don't know. Like, I've never done pro wrestling. I've never tried to manipulate the way people think of me in a public setting to make them just, like, not like me. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's mind-blowing to me that, like, that is actually what you are going out there and doing, in a sense, like, just making people not like you, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just kind of crazy. It just goes against everything that you psychologically are kind of, like, told as a person to grow up and be a good person. You know, it's actually a lot of fun. I've I've heard from some people like let me take one for an example Adam Pierce has always been one of the nicest people I've ever met like most respectful he's always shaking my hand like look you straight in the eye he's Mm -hmm. always been one of those people the meanest dude I've ever seen (laughs) ever at a wrestling show ever and it's like I asked him one time like what's like why like how can you be so mean to everybody but still be so like respectful or whatever and it was on one of his like Q&A's that he used to do on Facebook and he said it's just like it just gives me like an outlet to just if, if I have any sort of anger built up, I can just take it out like with this character and it just goes yes. away into the nothing and it's it doesn't matter and it's not like I'm actually hurting people. I'm just, you know, getting them involved at shows, you know, but... That's exactly it. But God, he would get people so mad they'd jump up in his face while he's walking down to the ring and he'd just be like, just pie face them over and stuff and it's like, this is the funniest thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my entire life. He was just so mean to people, but like, I, it just blows my mind that like, that's that's... I don't know. I just can't wrap my head around like just walking out, just being mean to people. Like, I don't know. Like you say, it's like it's it's kind of nice to be able to like it's like almost it's not like it's second nature to you, but it's it's obvious what people don't like. They don't like rude people. They don't like people that, you know, but I mean, so do you prefer being um, like going into a show as like a quote unquote good guy or bad guy, like a heel or a baby? I'm definitely more of a heel. Yeah. 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 Because it's like. I don't know. I being a baby face can be hard. I could imagine, especially when you're like me as a person. I'm pretty awkward and reserved, mm-hmm. so I'm like I don't know how to engage you as a person you might oh, like. Okay, okay, yeah, I totally get. <laughs> but I can definitely make you hate me. Oh yeah, so I could totally see that. Like I, I would find it weird to like run around and just high five everyone like they love you the hell out of you because mm-hmm. I always I've talked about it on a previous podcast it's weird to go to shows and have people be like dude you played awesome or like hey I've seen you guys play before and you guys are so good and it's just weird to have people be like say that stuff to you and like kind of maybe like what you're saying yeah. it's hard to just be like sweet you know and like get into the the mode of just being like it's awesome I'm, I'm really glad you like me doing what I'm doing but at the same rate like if somebody it, it would be so much easier just to be like cool and then just like walk away right you know? like, like, or just like thanks yeah. or just like if, <laughs> if you had that like shroud of like i'm a bad person over top of you just be like shut up punk and then just like mm-hmm. walk away you know like instant just this person would be like geez what a dick you know or like right that would be so much fun I've, I've seen people take the heel character like all the way to the nines to the point where they get really crazy with it and i've actually had the opportunity to do that because i've branched a bit into managing Mm -hmm. so i manage the big picture with an ipw we've had that partnership going on i want to say a little over a year now nice it's been like one of the funnest things i've ever done within wrestling because it's like because he's a heel i'm a heel and so i get to use my craziness to amp him up um we do this thing where like I'll slap him in the face a couple times before his matches to get him hyped up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just like this crazy couple that runs roughshod over everybody else. You know, uh, you know that would actually be like really awesome because like Sherry Martell, great wrestler, Sherry Martell, manager, awesome manager too. Like you got to imagine that once she realized that she could contribute to something without actually having to do all of the physical performing. Mm-hmm. Now it all just becomes sound like, how much can I make everybody hate not only me, but this other person in the ring? So you have like yeah. what's in your toolbox, plus you get to pull some tools out of his toolbox to mm-hmm. use as well, you know, like... I don't yeah, know. like that, he'll set 
the opponent up and like distract the ref and then I'll go and like just punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd's like, boo, ref, look at what she's doing. And I'm like, I, I, I didn't do anything. Like walk away, hands up. Like, yeah. I don't know what you're touch, talking about. I didn't about. touch anybody. <laughs> That's, that would be like the funnest thing ever to be like that kind of a, that kind of a person at a show. Cause that was like, like we were talking about Midnight Guthrie earlier. And like the first time I ever saw him, he was like, um, uh, uh, an announcer kind of person mm -hmm. and the most recently when i saw him he was a manager for maddie star yes okay so he's maddie star's manager and he s says some like obscene things that are like not so obscene but it's just like dude i want to hate you just for saying that out loud or like right? acting the way you act <laughs> and it just makes me think like you can add so much more to this standing next to ringside and and contributing to like I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Like, you're going to be, like, the animated version of this guy, but outside the ring, like, like I don't Imagine Jimmy Hart, you know? Like, Jimmy mm -hmm. Hart was, had the ability to, like, not do almost anything, but still he was doing so much. And right. That, and that's what the manager aspect. Do you think that allows you to see wrestling in a different, like, a different light compared to just being in the ring and only wrestling? It does, because when you're out there, you're actually thinking of, you know, how to interact with the crowd instead of, like... Because when you're wrestling, you have to balance it both. Like, oh yeah, you have to oh remember what you're doing and also try and it's it's a balancing act with wrestling. Yeah, you're physically exerting athleticness plus trying to figure out what you're doing in cohesiveness with another person. Then on top of all that, trying to control the crowd. Okay, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going yes, on. Yes, okay. whereas being a manager, you only really have to focus on the crowd. Yeah, and interfering when necessary. And that's the other cool thing is like a match can be going on and someone can like cheer for, uh, say, the good guy and you could just be like, shut up, kid. You know, and it's like instantly like a heat draw for like exactly what's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I'm using some wrestling lingo here just from spending time around it. If nobody understands what a heat draw, you know, like heat is like people not liking you for one thing or another. Yeah, or you're making people upset and yeah. they're expressing it. Yeah. So like you can, you know, draw a lot of heat for that. You can make people really mad uh, by just saying things and interacting. And that's something maybe he can't do because he's in the middle of getting a headlock or something. Right. You know, like, you know, so uh, that, that's really cool. You know, like it's a it's a neat little psychology to sit and think about that kind of stuff. And I guess I I mean, there obviously is a psychology uh, in some form being used because you're like manipulating people's emotions to exhibit, you know, mm -hmm. to get what you want out of them. And uh, at the same rate, I guess I never thought about how much it all goes into this just to like <laughs> always trying to be like you said, uh sneaky about things if you're the bad guy you know mm -hmm. like it's like oh he's ref's not look i'm gonna poke this dude in the eye real quick or whatever you know like that kind of stuff right is, i uh is that something like let me ask you this in a in a training sense like if you're being trained do they train you how to be this bad guy is that something you got to pick up on the road from like watching other bad guys be bad guys or like how much of this because i always wondered like if you're being trained i'm sure it's a lot of it's just like this is how you would you know do a hip toss and if right. somebody hip tosses you this is how you get hip tossed you know or like the generalness of it all but like how much of it is actually being taught like these instincts to be like oh this is where i poke the dude in the eye how much of that is learned like on the road or so i can't speak to other training schools or anything um but the way i was trained you know we were taught the moves mm -hmm. and then once you knew a fair amount of moves you would put on you know like a training match and whatnot mm -hmm. and that's where you would kind of have to develop your okay. you know like, hey, I'm going to draw off to the crowd in this way, or I'm going to make the crowd like me in this way. Okay. And then we'd get critiqued on that. Yep. But yeah, a lot of it is, you know, you kind of have to pick it up on the road. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, cause, I mean, there's not like something, there's no, I bet there's nowhere where they can teach you like literally every single trick and stuff like that. Like a lot of everything is literally just, you see something, I'm going to pick a little bit of what this person's doing. Right. I like it's that a lot thing. of tape study. 
Oh gosh, yeah. And, and that's like, how much wrestling did you watch before you got into actually wrestling? Like, how much tape studying did you do prior to actually wrestling? So you knew like there were some things that some people did where it's just like, oh, I see some, I see this might be like a pattern every now and then that some people are probably gonna do this. Like the whole like punch the dude when the ref's not looking kind of deal. Like, how much of that stuff had you seen a few times where you're just like, maybe I could work this into a match if the ref isn't looking kind of deal. I mean, I picked up, you know, the basics, you know, mm-hmm. um, eye rakes, um, yep. choking them when the ref's not looking or something, <laughs> yeah. that sort of thing. Um, but I mean, it really was kind of something that I had to pick up as I began training. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, prior to that, I'd just been watching it as yeah. a fan. Yeah. Um, I, and that's like the one thing. I feel like I watched so much wrestling that like it got to the point where I could watch wrestling and just be like this move and then like five mm-hmm. seconds later the move would come out and it's like this move and it's like oh there's gonna be three reversals and then this move and so right. like, and yeah I'm kind of the same way now I've seen enough of it that it's like oh no that's not the pin yeah yeah exactly or they're gonna go into this next yeah and I'll tell you what like the thing that's kind of the reason I started watching less wrestling was because I started figuring out like I've seen so much of the same stuff over and over again where it's like I can kind of figure out where the pattern's gonna lie if these people are gonna end up wrestling each other but like when I would get fooled, when something would happen and I would never see it coming, um, I don't, I don't want to like call out people, but like the last time I felt like I enjoyed watching a lot of that, and this is going to sound weird for me to say as like years removed from it, but like CM Punk and John Cena, mm-hmm. when they were kind of having their feud and Punk was debating leaving at the first, you know, or the first time, they were doing like weird stuff like throwing pile drivers and power bombs on, on Raw, which was like not something you saw too much at the time. And, right. it, and it was like, especially a pile driver. It was just like somebody just did a pile driver on TV. Like it, it happened. I saw it. Nobody talked about it. Like, I mean, it made like a little blurb on, but that was another thing was going to indie shows. You see people do pile drivers or like you get to see things that you normally would never, ever, ever, ever see on TV. Like, a, uh, like an apron pile driver, you know, or something yeah. like that where it's like, holy <laughs> cow, what is this? You know? And, and I, I don't know, like that kind of stuff was what really got me into like indie wrestling was seeing like a lot of moves I didn't see. So it kind of changed up the pattern, but eventually. Right. Cause you have more freedom within. Exactly. Independent wrestling. Yeah. And it seems like people don't tend to wrestle the same person over and over and over and over and over again in indie wrestling. Whereas like on TV, it's like these guys are going to feud for like four months, you know, or whatever. And it just kind of gets stale of the same thing. Cause then you got to start running weird soap opera esque storylines. But I like it at an indie show. You don't really have the exposure to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So you got to do everything you're going to do in this chunk of time you have to do it to make it as entertaining as you can. If you're running a storyline. So for the next show, when I show up, I already, I remember what happened last month, you know, like, do you guys uh, at IPW run a lot of storylines like that through your shows? Like, I, I know down in Des Moines, for sure, and a lot of times they will cohesively line up with Algona shows yeah. where, where, like, you're running the same storyline in parallel towns. Mm-hmm. So if you go to both shows, you'll get, like, the full story of everything. But you can kind of miss... You can kind of miss the Algona shows and get it all with the Des Moines shows, but you can't quite do it the other way around. But they still kind of come out and they're like, I'll tell you what, last week in Des Moines I did this, and it's just like... Okay, thanks. Like, it's kind of cool to hear that that's how they get to get it out because you don't have like video TV packages and all this other crazy stuff to work with. I'm sorry, I don't know where I was going with any of this. Okay. Um, I mean, we do put our matches up on YouTube. Yeah. So you can kind of follow along with that. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of it's just going to the shows month after month mm-hmm. and, you know, you pick up on it that way. Um, like, Big Picture and I, we have consistently been like a partnership since i don't even remember what month that was i know it started because 
he'd been losing a lot of matches. So I came out and I was like, hey, let's do this partnership because I'd also been losing a lot of matches. Mm-hmm. So we teamed up for like mutual benefit and then yep. just started like beating everybody. And it's like, hey, this is really fun. Yeah, he ended up winning their heavyweight title. Does we, he still have it? Yes, he still has it. Uh, we actually ended up... So what had happened was, I believe it was Jake Durden, fantastic wrestler. Oh my gosh. And I, super nice guy. I, I adore that guy. Yeah, he's <laughs> so cool. I love Jake. So it was him versus JJ Garrett. Oh, cool. And what happened was we had interfered at the very end of the match, um, took them both out and threw JJ onto Jake to win the title. Okay. Because obviously Picture's going to want to face the smaller guy. Yeah. Rather than the guy who's bigger than him. Totally makes sense. That, that comes down to that little bit of, just that little bit of storyline. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. Going to want to fight the little guy. So then Miss Frankie J came out afterwards because, you know, we'd had a feud going for a couple months at that point. Mm-hmm. And it was set up that we got a mixed tag match where whoever wins, whichever team wins, gets both titles. Okay. So I ended up pinning JJ for that. And that's how... Oh, sweet. Yeah. That's actually fun. Dude, that's a really fun storyline, actually. And I think... I think so you guys oh, ended up with both... Picture, I think, had some sort of contract. So immediately after JJ got the title, he beat him for it. Mm-hmm. So there were titles on each side. Mm-hmm. So you ended up with both the titles after all that? Yep. That's awesome. So you ended up like technically winning the women's title by pinning a guy. Yeah. I never pinned a woman to get it. That's awesome. <laughs> Dude, like... That, that could be like one of your things that you come out and just be like, I beat a dude for this title, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, like, what are you prepared to do for it? You know, that's actually pretty wild. Uh, God, that's really cool. I, and that's the kind of thing where like, I kind of wish I was still going to wrestling because like these kind of storylines still it's just like, I don't know if it's like comic books where it's like, I can listen to a Superman story a million times over as long as he's fighting someone else in a different way. Mm-hmm. Like it's same deal. I don't know if it's that's the draw to this, but it's just. I know, I know all your characters. I've seen you all wrestle multiple times, but just hearing you tell this story out in a basic like two minute story, it was like, dude, yeah, I'm like, my, my, now my mind is racing to kind of see. I could just imagine it happening now. That's that's like wild though. Like, how how long did you have the woman's title? And, that, so, and was this the first time you won a title? That was the first time I'd won it. Oh, crazy cool. So I had it from the end of April. I lost it the first. The Friday show of the Winter Set shows, and then mm-hmm. won it back that Sunday. Okay. And then held it again until the Hall of Fame show. Oh, crazy cool! So you—that's actually. So I'm technically a two-time champion. That's awesome. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool though. Like you end up uh, losing it. Uh, you wrestled the same person at every show on uh, at the fair. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's really awesome. That like by you lost it to him, and then by the time the whole fair sequence was over, your character had like built up another title shot and won it back from. You know? Right, and I won it back in a hardcore match, which was super fun. Uh, oh, sweet! So that would have been the last show. That probably would have drawn the most people at the fair. You know, having it be the last show, et cetera. That's awesome. Yeah, so, that was a lot of fun to do. So what kind of crazy matches have you been in then? So you just said hardcore match. So yeah, that was that. I did two table matches over the summer. Oh, crazy. Um, one in Des Moines and then one in Knoxville. All right. So th- maybe someone doesn't know. Hardcore match means uh, weapons. Yes. Anything's legal. Like you can, use the, you can use the steel chair if you want to or whatever. Yeah. We used a trash can. We used a kendo stick. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, I kendo won. stick. Yeah. <laughs> I got hit by that kendo stick. Uh, but that um, hurts. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Left a bit of a mark. Um, I ended up winning by using the title itself to oh, cool. hit her in the back of the head. Oh, yeah. 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 So That's dirty. Yep. And then put the finisher on her, pinned her. So then you said table match, which is you put your opponent through a table. Yes. And then you win. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can like, 
throw them through a table. You can set them on the table and, and jump on them through the table. Yep. Okay, so you've been in table matches too. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Um, and then the summer before that, at last year's Hall of Fame, I was in a ladder match. Oh, it was a sweet. four-way ladder match. Awesome. And I ended up taking a about, I want to say, 10-foot fall off the ladder. Oh, crazy. <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh, Ooh, that's probably the most pain I've ever been in from wrestling. Dude, those Hall of Fame shows are packed. Yeah, like, it, absolutely. Yeah, with packed. several hundred people. It, yeah, it's just like, it was funny because once I was up there, you know, I'm trading shots with Frankie, mm-hmm. and I was like, I know I'm gonna have to fall off this ladder, but as soon as I got up there, I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me get down. <laughs> Dude, I wonder how much of that goes through people's brains, where it's just like you get up there and you're just like, all right, I gotta go do this thing, and then you're like, ah, oh, shit, I gotta do this thing, and then you're like, well, you gotta do this thing, you yep. know, and then you just go out there. So and do it. I had to take that fall off the ladder. God, that's crazy. Yep. So oh. I remember I rolled out of the ring immediately after hitting the ground, mm-hmm. and Chris Manning comes over. He's like, "Are you okay?" I'm like. I think so. <laughs> God, that's another crazy thing is like to sit and think about wrestling as a business. Like the the ref has such a weird job too, where he's kind of got to monitor what's going on, but also kind of like play into uh, what would be like uh, an onlooker's perspective of what's going on. Like somebody gets punched really hard or reversal, they kind of were just like they're like whoa, and they throw their head back. Like geez, you know they got to be like the moderator in there, but. Sometimes they get fooled by like a manager or whatever, you know, right. distracting them, and then some guy gets, you know, hit in the groin or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. some stuff. Which like... I have definitely pulled that before. <laughs> <laughs> of course you have, of course. So that's hilarious. Like it's just crazy to think like uh, the referee aspect of it all. I've I've never I've never thought too much ever about like being a wrestler. Or, like try like I always wanted to be, but then it's just like. I, I thought like you did, where it's like, I don't really want to get hurt, and then it's just never went any further than that. And people are still like, oh, you could still be a wrestler. This guy didn't start wrestling. It's like, dude, like I understand Dave Batista didn't wrestle until he was 30, but he's Dave Batista. Like, it's a totally <laughs> different story here, you know? Like, But I, I mean, I guess I never thought too... I have thought a lot about this, but there, you've brought up some aspects about wrestling that I guess I've never thought too deeply on, which is, which is kind of what I wanted to get out of this, was uh, to sit and think... Uh, like have you be like a small conduit into the wrestling scene for me and mm-hmm. uh, maybe any of my listeners. Cause I, I guess I never really thought too much about, like I said, a, a lot of the psychology is understandable, but it's just something as simple as like not letting the kid from your hometown shake your hand, mm-hmm. you know, just psyching them out, you know, and that's, that's enough to get like everybody in the place enraged. And of course it is. Cause I'll even boo you if you do that. It's just, right. and I find myself falling into that at wrestling shows, though, too, being a fan, again, where it's just like you just want to yell at the people for doing dumb stuff, where it's just like, don't be the bad guy. Like, just be nice to this person or whatever. You know, like a lot of times, like the last show I went to, uh, I remember Captain Midnight with Midnight Guthrie. He's yelling about how he's, you know, I got a house that's worth this many dollars. And he's like, you guys are still (laughs) paying. I've got a yacht on Sailorville Lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, like, that kind of stuff is just hilariously funny. And, like, uh, but at the same time, you're just just like, shut up, dude. Right. And I I don't, like, I don't know how. I wish I had the ability to be a performer. Like, a lot of these guys were performers. And I was never confident enough that I could do it. So I never wanted to, like, get involved in any fashion. But it was so much fun to go to wrestling shows and like interact with people like like you were even as just a photographer like you'd be talking to the wrestler people and I'd be talking to them and it's just kind of like hey you know like all you guys kind of help put together this this scene of things that I enjoy because if it seems like in wrestling if you know the right people it's like you can get photos from any show you can get like if you if you follow the right people on Twitter you can figure out what happens at every show mm-hmm. uh, with a basic description because I used to be that guy on Twitter I remember you know? that yeah you know I'd just be like this person won or like if something big happened I'd be like this dude just won a title or whatever you know and 
I mean, like I did the indie power rankings thing for a while where we would sit down and we'd rank how who wrestled in the U.S. and beyond at, on an indie level that was however good or whatever. And that was like the way I found out about Ricochet was he'd wrestle mm. in Japan or he'd wrestle for Dragon Gate and stuff like that. And it's like, who's this guy wrestling like seven times in a weekend that like I don't, you know, then you start watching him on TV. It's like, oh, dude, he wrestled in Chikara. He used to do this kind of stuff. And that's probably the funnest part about wrestling is, is diving into these companies that were kind of big but not exactly big. And then realizing I could do the same thing on a local level, you know, running into people like you, like at the very beginning of the podcast, we talked about Ryan Slade. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first people that I kind of befriended in the wrestling scene. Cause I was just like, I got to go to the show. I'm going to like first show I went to, I was like, I'm going to find somebody I can cheer for, for like no reason. Ryan Slade wins King of Des Moines. It's like, all right, now Ryan Slade is the best wrestler ever. Then let's just make <laughs> him the best wrestler. Let's make signs for him. Let's wear his t-shirts. Let's show up and just act like absolute marks. Mark being the person that believes everything is real. And this guy's the greatest, you know? Mm-hmm. So we would just go out there with signs and cheer for Ryan Slade. And before you know it, like the guy becomes this huge fan favorite, wins the title. And he's just this, this big thing, you know, and he's running around, he's wrestling like some of the best matches I've ever seen him wrestling, you know, and it's, it's kind of weird. Like, I don't know whether or not all that stuff kind of stacks together, but it's, it's, it's just weird to get into the scene, kind of find these people that are doing things that they're doing. And then finding people like you that transition from just being a photographer to like, now you're wrestling. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the first time I ever saw you wrestle, you were just kind of like, Hey, I'm going to be wrestling in Des Moines at the show if you want to show up. And I was just like, uh, sure. Yeah, I'll go for it. You know, and I, I brought uh, Clinton Kelsey with me. I've interviewed both of them on the podcast. Mm-hmm. We showed up and it was just like, dude, this is awesome. You know, and <laughs> it was one of those deals where I, I didn't get to see you actually like do many training session shows like up in Algona. So I, I went into this dry. You had a great match. The crowd was electric for the whole entire thing. It was tons of fun, you know, and it's. I, I don't know. I'm just really thankful that you could like sit down and talk with me on the podcast. I don't I don't really don't know how many hours or how much time I have on this interview, but uh, we're kind of getting close-ish to the end. Um, we, at the beginning, had mentioned a Hall of Fame show, and you said you had a good Hall of Fame show yeah. story. Yeah, so this year, Victoria was on the Hall of Fame show. Oh, cool. And another example of one of the sweetest people you mm-hmm. could ever meet. You yep. know, in the ring, you know, she's this crazy heel, but then... As soon as you get her outside the ring, I actually, so (laughs) when I met her initially, I had just gotten to Waterloo. I was in the hotel lobby, um, waiting to get my key to go up to my room. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was talking with a couple other people and she comes in to the lobby. She's just getting there. And I'm just like, Oh my God, that's Victoria. And so she starts shaking people's hands and I just kind of back off. Cause these are like, like promoter type people. I'm like, um, yeah, I'm just going to back off from this. Yep. I'm not part of this conversation. But then she approaches me and she holds out her hand. I'm just like, oh, okay. And so I shake her hand and she's just staring at me. And she's like, what's your name? <laughs> oh my God. I'm so embarrassed now. That's I just violated like the one cardinal rule of wrestling. Go introduce yourself. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, then the next day I hung out with her a little bit at the Hall of Fame Ended up hanging out with her that night. Mm-hmm. Um, stayed up till five. We were just at the bars, um, hanging out in the like kind of rec room that the promotion had set up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just having a blast hearing her stories and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Dude, like I've got one Victoria story. So like I went to a Ring of Honor show in Chicago. Um, I did like a double dose where I went to like Milwaukee for one show on a Friday and then went to I think it was a Clash of Champions maybe something like Clash of Night of Champions, some some show, I don't remember. Supercard, no, I don't know, whatever it was. <laughs> so anyways, I went to like a Milwaukee and Chicago show on the weekends. And the Chicago show, I was like, you know, Victoria has a 
she had, used to own Stock and Squared Circle, mm-hmm. the the was it like a burger place that was yeah there. wrestling themed restaurant. Yep. So I went there and ate there, and I was like, maybe I'll run into her. It'd be kind of cool. Nope, not there. Whatever. Cool. There's a show tonight. Maybe she's gonna go to the show. So I get done eating there. I go to the show. I'm like two hours early, and there's a whole bunch of like I, I remember like a. Uh, was it Bobby Fish? Something like that. Does that sound right? Sounds yeah. right. Yeah, something like I'm bad with names now because it's been <laughs> so long. But uh, Kyle O'Reilly. There was a couple other people that were just like standing in the parking lot talking to people. And Victoria like pulls up right next to us in the parking lot. And I was just like, oh, hey, that's Victoria. And I'm like pointing at her. And she just gets out and she's like, hey. And then just like walks away. <laughs> and like she knew I was like pointing at her. Like, and so, so she's like super cool because she just like, you know, it's like, hey. And then just like walked away because oh, she had yeah. stuff she's to do or whatever. So friendly. But yeah, I mean, that's, I don't. To me, even like just go out somewhere. How often do you get noticed where it's just like, whoa, okay, yeah, you saw me at wrestling, like, hi. And then, like, is, how weird is it for you? Because, like, for me, just if somebody was like, I know that guy, and I'd just be like, hey, you know, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird because I'm just like, uh, what's up? You know, like, you... it doesn't happen too often because I think the area I live in, it's a big enough town that you're not necessarily going to run into anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I did run into somebody, I went into Fighting Burrito once when they were still open down here to get food for dinner and the girl behind the counter is like hey didn't you wrestle this past weekend (laughs) i was like oh hey yes i did (laughs) um yes and i kicked their ass (laughs) and then there was another thing where i was at work and my like boss comes up to me and she's like hey i was at the gym the other day and i was you know i was on the elliptical working out and Mm -hmm. i looked up i saw a poster and you were on it yeah like hey yeah dude that's probably the coolest thing to see now is like you used to take the pictures that would end up on the posters and now you're on the posters of pictures that somebody else took of you and it's like wild to be like like cruising through there and it's just like oh you know like ladder match like that was one that i was thinking like i remember seeing that poster and you're on the you were on there were you not with uh the hall of fame show or is your face not on the front of that this year's it uh, was yes yeah. okay so like that was i think that was the one i remember scrolling through and seeing you on and just being like dude this is so cool like i know i actually copped a copy of that poster so i could frame it dude i totally would have too yeah. and those, those hall of fame shows are just so amazing to go to because it's like here's like like we said it's some of the past wrestlers that are no longer on tv that either like were on regional tv or on national tv that it's like i i know who this guy is you get to interact with them and stuff and talk to them and then you get to see people like we said like talk about like ricochets and like other other people in that area of wrestling on the indie scene on their way up that are probably going to end up on TV somewhere mm-hmm. and you get to see those people come and they like sometimes interact with each other at shows where it's like uh, you know one of the one of the bad guys is doing something they shouldn't and then like before you know it like some dude's sitting at a booth signing autographs is just like I can't handle this and he gets up <laughs> and he, he interferes with a match and it's like oh this is crazy to see this kind of stuff like um or just to like talk to people like I've been to so many of those shows and talked to people that I didn't know that were like quote unquote famous mm-hmm. um so like uh was it Kurt Hennig's dad? Yeah. Uh used he had been at a couple of them. And before I knew that that was Kurt Hennig's dad, I sat and talked to him for like ten minutes one day about how like cool the show was and like all this other stuff. And and he like he's like, All right, well I gotta go do some stuff and I was like, All right, see ya and he just like walks over to his table and sits down and there's people standing <laughs> there and I was like, Oh, oh, oh snap, I was talking <laughs> I was talking to Kurt Hennig's dad. This is crazy, you know, like um God, what is I I'm, Larry the actually Larry Larry Hennig, there you go. So that's that's the other thing is like it's not like riding a bicycle though I've I haven't been to almost any indie wrestling shows I've been to probably like ten in the last five years as opposed mm-hmm. to being like hundred plus a year you know so I'm a little out of the loop as far as what's going on unfortunately but I'm I'm really glad that you got to sit down and and, and enlighten me and talk to me a little bit about like your experience yeah as sure. far as as going out there and, and fighting people and and 
just winning a title that's like the craziest thing ever to, you know like you became a champion in a short amount of time and it's it's just your story i mean like i've like i said i i now only get to watch it through the internet because i don't go to too many shows but mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to see you just you're on posters and shit like that right. it's, it's super it's, neat it's so. so weird to see it's like that's my face <laughs> okay I, i'm a thing apparently yeah no kidding <laughs> well thanks i don't know if there's anything else you want to uh talk about on the podcast um hmm. no i'll just do the obvious dropping of the socials um on Facebook, Sierra Avery. On Twitter, at the Sierra Avery. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I really do. I'm terrible at social media, but if you reach out to me, I will respond to you. All right. So. I'll post links. I'll post links in the description then for you. All right. All right. Well, thank good. you very much. Yeah. Thanks. Oh snap! That was a good episode. I had so much fun sitting down talking with her. Um, you know, she. The wrestling community is a pretty big community, but at the same time, it's a pretty tight-knit bunch of people that go to a lot of these shows and and interact with each other before, during, and after. Um, No matter how antisocial we are, we all still, like, interact with one another. We find each other online and things like that. And so I've known Sierra for uh, quite a while, and uh, Sierra Avery has definitely been one of those people in the wrestling scene that I've just kind of got to watch... uh, get deeper and deeper into it and just do uh what she loves and what she loves to do is wrestle so it's it's really cool to hear all of her stories like uh the one of the ones that got me uh really good was hearing how she won uh the women's title by pinning a guy that's pretty baller that's that's really cool so like you know stuff like that is just really cool that uh i always enjoyed those little storylines that would just make me be like what no way and that was the kind of stuff like it was just live storytelling in an athletic format uh based around some sort of uh you know wrestling event is what it was and and it pro wrestling has always been so fun to me in every capacity uh, from the point when i was a little kid and and thought that Hulk Hogan was a real guy that actually leg dropped people and, and ran around with a huge giant belt and was going brother 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 all the time like when I thought it was all real when I was a tiny little kid all the way up until like as an adult knowing that what I know now about it that people actually have to get trained to go in and do it and stuff like that it's such a crazy thing to sit and think about um, I've never really had a conversation this deep about pro wrestling I just knew I liked it so I'd go to shows all the time and I would talk about it with people all the time but I never sat down with a pro wrestler and talked about them getting into pro wrestling and doing pro wrestling things. So this was a, it was a fun conversation to have, and I'm, and I'm glad that Sierra was the first one I got to do it with because, like I said, I've seen her uh, in just about every capacity you can imagine uh, work her way up the level all the way to champion. So that is a pretty cool story to have. I'm really glad to have her on here. I'm going to drop a couple links down below for her if you want to check her out. Uh, see where she's wrestling next Uh, she does have social media i know she's got a facebook profile i know she's got a facebook page for sierra avery and uh, i believe there's a twitter account i think we talked about that i'm going to uh, try and hunt all of it down and put it down there in the bottom section and you can uh, follow sierra avery online and just uh, watch her uh, kick ass and take names you know because she's she's it's just kind of fun to have uh to know somebody who's uh out there just doing that and i and i you know knew her before she was a pro wrestler so it's kind of crazy to just be like holy cow this person transformed into this thing that she could probably beat me up you know like it's like one of those types of deals so pretty sweet i'm glad you got to sit down on the podcast 
I hope you guys had a fun time listening. I do have to apologize for that little break in the middle. I did it again. I'm sorry. I did it again. This, it shouldn't happen, but it's, it's almost every time when I take it portable and the batteries die, I do this. So I apologize. Hopefully Sierra can forgive me and hopefully you guys still enjoyed the podcast. Uh, you know, thank you very much for listening to this one. If, if you tuned into this one, not knowing what was going to be going on and, and stuck through to the end, thank you very much. I'm very glad that you did. Uh, it's, you know, professionally wrestling. I like being entertained, I guess. I like to go out and go to live shows and all sorts of comedy stuff and all these things like that. And I just really actually just really enjoy being entertained, uh, by things that are going on around me. And uh, professional wrestling was, I, I never thought in a million years I would enjoy going to a professional wrestling show until I went to a professional wrestling show. And then I was like, holy cow, this is awesome. It's so much better than it is on TV to actually sit there and yell at these people to their faces. And, and, and believe it or not, a lot of those guys out there want you to yell at them because that's what they're out there to do. And uh, some of them are good at it. It's, it's, such a, it's such a freaky, crazy place and a, a fun story. And... All those guys and, and gals out there just doing what they're doing. Props. Props to every single one of you guys. I spent so many years of my life enjoying what uh, the independent pro wrestling scene in and around Iowa. And uh, I just wish I had the time to go out there and still enjoy it as much as I used to. Uh, but thank you guys for tuning into this podcast. I want to say thank you once again to Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa. Go to www.couchtowncoffee.com. Uh, click on the Our Coffee section, find a coffee you like, uh, put your order in, and cl- make sure you enter the code word, jeez, enter the code word, Black Sheep, and you will save yourself 20% on your order. Uh, thank you, Couchtown Coffee, for offering that nice little promo code for us. That's good from September 22nd, no, September 12th through the 18th. Jeez. September 12th through the 18th, you can save 20%. Enter, enter code word Black Sheep when you make an order at www.couchtowncoffee.com. I want to say thanks once again to Sierra Avery for joining me on the podcast. Go check her out live sometime, guys. She's awesome. We'll check everybody else later. Peace.